Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast and to Holy Week, my friend Joe Doman. Yes, sir. This is uh, Father John with a raspy voice from the game of Mafia last week. Oh, is that why? Yeah. I thought you were asking me where we're recording right now. Well, where are we recording right now? We are in... We're taking this back to old school, not not super old school, not Father Mike days, but the treehouse. The treehouse, we're, we're back, back in, the tree in the treehouse. It's snowing. It was 75 degrees on Sunday, and it's snowing today. Unbelievable. I feel like everything's in reverse. We're back in the treehouse. I'm going back in for another ankle surgery next oh, week. Oh, yeah. It's like the it's world. Snowing. It's snowing. Everything is in reverse mode now. So It's true. Crazy. Just got down to the chrism mass. Uh, we are in Holy Week. It's Tuesday. And uh, the chrism mass is where you gather all the priests of the whole, whole getting boodle and uh, whatever that. <laughs> what was that raspy man? Moodle, something noodle, and uh, you get them all together. And it was pretty crazy to see all the priests and to actually be a priest. I, I it's still weird. That was your first chrism mass. I thought was, you, I thought you skipped it. Yeah, and our, our I could, friend, I couldn't see John's head because I was, I was looking for the mohawk. I had a I, mohawk or a brohawk, as they call it. Last week, I, I took a spring break college trip. We I took uh, eighteen students. We went up. Backcountry skiing, stay in these huts uh, outside of Aspen. You are Aspen. so cool. I am so cool. <laughs> and I got so much crap for thinking I'm pretty cool. Yes. But I let them do, be it done unto me, uh, according to their will with my hair, and they gave me a brohawk. So. Oh, nice. Well, no more brohawk. You just got short hair like me. It's kind of nice. I think what that's you, about it. What are you drinking there? We don't drink. Oh, uh, that's right. This is in honor of Kentucky winning the NCAA last night. Oh, that's right. Cheers. Cheers. Maker's we, Mark. We should make a disclaimer about us. Do you want to make it? Yeah. yeah. So people think we're alcoholics because we drink. They, all they hear of us is when we're podcasting. But, you know, podcasting can be a little nerve-wracking, especially when you haven't prepared. So we just like to <laughs> take the edge off a little bit. Which is pretty much 99% of the time. But we do not uh, We do not uh, drink outside of moderation, and we are very much so aware of that. That's true. We don't drink all the time. It's really only when we're podcasting. So right. I know it sounds like we're drinking, but all it the does time. sound like uh, we are. So we apologize. Do you remember her name? Somebody was kind of. <sighs> I don't remember. That's okay. I'm sorry. Whoever it was, us. the mom who it, was. It was very. It was very tactful, though. Very I well said. It. it was very well said. We hey, appreciate. We should probably make a public apology too for another one. The last month. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. That was my fault. Everybody I, knows. Everybody knows what we're talking about. I can't believe anybody listens to this with how unprofessional it is and how infrequent it is, but. Uh-huh. I went on silent retreat for a week. Then my life fell apart for two weeks. Then I went to uh, did the spring break trip. So it is not Joe's fault, not Nathan's fault. Don't be hating on them. Uh, Please be, just hate John. Be hating Father on John me. squarely. Yeah, you take it out on me. So I got no emails here. I don't know how to work this thing. You had one of those phones. I know it's been so don't, long. Don't throw it. I'm not throwing it. There you go. Okay, so to the topic. There's a topic today. We have a topic today, and it's a very complicated one that's not as well researched as it should have been. It's a fitting. I've always wanted to do this topic, and I've always wanted to do it really well. So I've always been nervous about doing it. Kind of like purgatory and homosexuality and everything else that we want to do well if we do it. Right, but we uh, don't do it well, and today is not going to be done well. But we'll just say we're taking a stab at a very complex mystery, which is Holy Saturday. Right. What happened? Yeah. Or what didn't happen? Ah. Passio. Okay. That's a good preview. So let's start in the catechism because you can't go wrong there. Article 5, he descended into hell and on the third day he rose again. It is a doctrine of the church from the 4th century, Council of Nicaea, that Jesus descended into hell. Okay, so when we speak of the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, 
in some way we speak of this descent into hell. Now, that's rooted in several places in Scripture, but very few, right? right? We know almost nothing from the Scriptures about Holy Saturday, okay? Which is funny because it's really kind of central. It's very central. And it's very central in the thought of a guy named Hans Urs von Balthasar, who we speak about oft. Never heard of him. Yes, so... Catechism 631. Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended um, is he who also ascended far above all the heavens. Are you wearing my slippers? Yeah. Freaking A. I was looking for them and I was like, oh, where are my hey, slippers? Take my feet are freezing. Take them, man. Gosh. These slippers are awesome. I'm podcast. sorry to interrupt you, but this is, these are, are this is worth interrupting. Okay. Well, so warm now. So that was a quote uh, that you did not pay attention to, but that was from Ephesians 4. I'm sorry. Okay. Can you, read, can you read it again? Yeah, so it, but Paul's just basically saying, he who descended into the lower parts of the earth is he who ascended far above all the heavens. Hmm. Descent before the ascent. Right. We know this. The really interesting verse, though, the proof text for something happening on Holy Saturday, is that he preached uh, to those who were imprisoned in hell. That's from First Peter chapter 4. So we know that there's a descent. Hmm. We know that there's some kind of preaching to the souls in prison. But the Catechism makes it very clear. Jesus did not descend into hell to deliver the damned, nor to destroy the hell of damnation, but to free the just who had gone before him. Did you catch that? He did not descend into hell to deliver the damned, but to free the just who had gone before him. So that is a uh, quote from the Council of Rome in the year 745. Really? I've never heard that before. Let me say that again. Jesus did not descend into hell to deliver the damned, nor to destroy the hell of damnation, but to free the just who had gone before him. Hmm. Tricky. This is getting complicated now, because wait a second. We have to say, and this is Balthazar's big point, so what we're going to do is we're trying to hold firm into the church's teaching and better understand it, what has been defined. Balthazar is going to take it to the next level. right? He's going to go above and beyond, as we say. And he's going to try and theologically speculate about the nature of this in a more full context. Hmm. Okay, What Balthazar is going to say is that there's a Jewish understanding of what sin is, and there's a uh, Greek understanding of what sin is. And we have to kind of hold them in place. And um, if you lose certain elements of that, then you're going to falsely understand or you're going to delimit the understanding that we have of Holy Saturday. Hmm. Okay? So, we've laid out basically... Are you going to tell us this understandings? What balls, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm just kind of giving you a little prequel there. All right. Okay, but let's go back to the catechism for one more comment. Scripture calls the abode of the dead, to which the dead Christ went down, hell, Sheol in Hebrew, or Hades in Greek, because those who are there are deprived of the vision of God. Okay? We know hmm. that from Philippians, from Acts, from Revelations. There's a number of things that talk about Sheol. Sheol. Hades. Sheol. The Hebrew understanding of Sheol was a place where the dead would go, and then they would just kind of fade out into oblivion. Hmm. It was just kind of a fading away. So it wasn't just like the place where the dead are hanging out. It's like it's like oblivion. Oblivion. For the Jews, when we speak of hell, it's alienation, hmm. separation from God. That's what sin is. Right. And it's just kind of this fading out. That's what happens after death. Everybody does that. Everyone just kind of fades out. Oh, For really? Yeah. Yeah. There's really no kind of, because there's, there's no salvation. Mm-hmm. So at the t- and this is what's so complicated. At the time of the descent, you, you don't have heaven and hell open so to speak hell is a christological reality and so is heaven because only in christ we have access to heaven and only in christ 
can there be damnation because there can't be a definitive rejection of God. So the you're full saying, disclosure of God. So you're saying the hell, as we think of it and know of it in the Christian church, did not really exist before Christ? I mean, if we can speak in that way about something that's like kind of an eternal, eternal yes. reality. Yes. But like the hell that's before Christ, is Sheol and Hades, is different than hell as we speak about it now. Yes. Hmm. But we kind of think of like heaven and hell from all eternity and kind of – and then Jesus kind of mixes and separates everybody. It's right. like, no, the definitive death and resurrection of Jesus is the definitive moment of heaven and hell. Prior to that, you have this Sheol, this Hades, this thing we call hell, right. but but it's a di- in the the um, the Latin of he descended into hell. It's descensus ad inferi, right into the, the lower places. Lower places, yeah. You got it, and um, so into this kind of lower place, the Sheol, uh, the uh, Hades. That's the Greek phrase. Sheol is the Hebrew phrase, but it's not hell. As we understand it. That's what the catechism is trying to make clear. He descended into hell not to deliver the damned. It's not just this kind of freeing everything. So, the next question is, if that's the nature of the place, Hmm. kind of, then what exactly did Jesus do? And what exactly happened? We know that he preached. We know that's something. We know somebody resurrected, right? That was pretty pretty important. He didn't stay down there, but he ascended. But here's the interesting thing. And this is Balthazar's theory. And this is not doctrine. But yeah, you might is, want to give a little. What's speculative theology? What's like? What does that even mean? Okay, so let's go into the the nature of theology is to apply reason to the truths of revelation and to kind of exfoliate them, right? Exfoliate, I like it. Thank you. The one of our modern understanding the reason people hate Balthazar is because they have a presupposition that theology is meant to be a protector of orthodoxy, right? Right. And it's not. That's not the way the fathers did it. That's not the way it was done for a thousand yeah, years. That is how it's been talked about for a long time, but that is not how the, the fathers talked about it. You're true. So Balthazar is, is using an, uh, an ancient understanding of theology, which is one that will kind of exfoliate mm. the truths, explicate the truths, um, try and elucidate the truths. How right. are those for words for you? No, that's good. You like that? Okay, good. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, I always see it as like a... There's some theology that needs to be done where you kind of lay out the boundaries of what is Catholic, what's, yes. what is within the truth and what's outside of it. And that's important to right. know where the boundaries are or the walls of the castle are. But the castle just can't be its walls. It needs to have something within it, you know. And so there's a place for just talking about the things of God that don't have to do with uh, apologetics and defending it from heresy or something like that. But just, right. you know, and so an- he's, he's kind of speculating in that way. And Anselm, 11th century, said, theology is fides quarens intellectum so it's faith seeking understanding understanding. and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to understand in a deeper way the truths of the faith we're not trying to change the doc the the positive faith Mm -hmm. we're just trying to um deeper understand them and And this isn't like defined dogma what we're talking about here this is so i mean it's not like you have to believe this in order to be catholic or if you do believe this you're not catholic it's it's kind of not defined Uh, right there's right. some things that are about it, but not everything. Right. So are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Let us journey into the speculative. Into the Holy Saturday Descent. Into the Holy Saturday Descent. Okay. There's three basic motifs that Balthazar says we can draw from Scripture about Good Friday. Ready? Yes. Number one, that of proclamation, First Peter, chapter 4. Remember we talked about that? Or chapter 3? Right. Number are you talking t- about Good Friday or Holy Saturday? I'm talking about Good Friday into Holy Saturday. Okay. okay. So after the death. Number two, Christ became sin. Right? According to Paul. Right. So this identification with Christ and sin. Very important phrase. Yeah. Very confused phrase. Mysterious, Perhaps yeah. Very, very tricky. Number three, that of a powerful overthrow of the whole empire of death and Satan. 
that there's this overthrow, mm. right? So we have to say, how do we take those three motifs from Good Friday into Holy Saturday and blend them into a theology of de- the descent that holds all three in place? Mm. Here's Balthazar's theory. Quote, the liturgical, speculative, and rhetorical popular theology has gathered together all the previous aspects of, quote, the journey into Hades under the sign of the third feature. In short, what he's saying is that we've reduced our understanding of Holy Saturday just to that third motif. So Holy that Saturday, he, he just right, that of the chaining and robbing of the power of Satan, death, Hades, thereby interpreting it as a victorious journey. Basically, it's this. We start taking names. and Yeah, he comes down there and just starts kind of, it's like, he dies, and then it's just like, boom, down into hell, and he's just like, just starts jacking people up, grabbing souls, and he's out of there. That's right. right? That's kind of our understanding, grossly put, of uh, the descent. Yes. What Balthazar is saying is that's focusing only on one of the three motifs. Hmm. That if we're going to understand that Christ is um, identified with sin, if he became sin, then he's going to have to suffer the effects of sin, which is forsakenness in the Jewish understanding, and he suffers that in hell. Mm. So the descent, this is the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. Give it to me. I'm waiting. The descent hinges on something he suffers, passio, instead of something he does. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. He doesn't, by his own power, by his divinity, come down into hell and start kicking butt, taking names, whatever, Mm. grabbing souls, boom, he's out of there. But he has to suffer hell because he is, he has sin. He has to suffer the full effects of sin. That would include eternal damnation. Whoa! What does that even mean? I don't know. That's what I said. This isn't well prepared. I've read three. I've read three books. Does Von Balthasar know what that means? He does. He does. But he would have to suffer the complete effects of sin, including God forsakenness in hell. Think of it like this: God. We know from Saint Paul that Jesus reconciles the world to Himself. Mm-hmm. Balthasar loves this phrase: in the incarnation, He reconciles heaven and earth. And, in, and he takes down that barrier. And then in his descent and in his death, he reconciles the netherworld, so to speak. He com- he completely recapitulates and gets everything back in. But to do that, he has to suffer all the way to the lowest point. Right. It's so not he, like he, like, it's not like he, the descent is like he kind of dips down into the ocean like the, you know, one foot underneath the water and then comes back up again. But he's like, he goes down to, to like the, the very deepest depths. gorge. Yep. So he has suffered completely, and then the moment of the resurrection comes, the proclamation of heaven, and the just being taken, and the definitive Christological distinction between heaven and hell occurs. Mm. But first, he has to suffer Sheol. Huh. What does he do with Dante? With Dante? Yeah. I mean, the medieval... He likes Dante. Poet, Dante. Doesn't he talk about... Doesn't Dante... I mean, I've, I've, read, I've read Dante's Inferno in high school, so, you know, you're... This has been a while, but doesn't Dante talk about Christ just coming down to like the upper regions of hell? Um, I don't think so. Not the last time I read uh, the Inferno okay. about a year ago. Well, it I think probably it hasn't changed be... between my time I read it and the time <laughs> yeah. you read it. So it's been about seven hundred years. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he journeys through hell, but there's no conversation of there's limbo. Okay. Limbo is the first right. stage of hell, um, where the um, the just unbaptized yeah, yeah. are. That's what I was but I, okay, that's what you're thinking. Um, but I don't think he. That's not what Dante said. Okay, then I'm yeah. mistaken. I digress. Let us digress. I'm trying to think if there's anything else here I need to focus on before I move to the next. But section. it is different than the understanding of like, yeah, Christ coming into hell and like, totally 
It's really complicated. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to understand. There's an ancient... And so like we're saying, mm. we're not trying to separate. The only thing that's really doctrinally defined, like if you're thinking, what the heck, I don't even know what I'm, what they're saying right now. He descended into hell. We know that, right? De- descended into Sheol, into Hades. And that hell exists. Now, um, we don't know the nature of that descent. If it was an active descent, that if he was alive, right? Or if it was something he suffered and was actually dead. That's the weird thing. Yeah. So it's really strange. Yeah, and just I, as part of his human nature. The more that I speak, the more I'm getting confused. <laughs> it's interesting. I actually just had a... I was just thinking about this last week uh, on Friday. Uh, just kind of like this is kind of a spiritual, I don't know, fruit of my meditation, I guess. And this is totally not dogma, so I don't know what, what this means. But I was thinking about how how is it, this has to do with Christ's forsakenness. Like when we say like Christ experienced God forsakenness. Like, what does that mean? Because Christ is God. He's the second person in the Trinity. And, the, you know, the doctrine of the church is that he's he has the beatific vision throughout his entire existence. Is that a doctrine of the church? Isn't it a doctrine of the church? Uh-uh. No. Not Not in the understanding of it. See, this is, this is big. Okay. Drink. St. Thomas argues that Jesus has the beatific vision in the upper faculties right, of the soul. Right, in the upper faculties. So the intellect and the will mm-hmm. are constantly beholding the intellect. Balthazar says, I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's fully human, right? That there's a, um, that objectively he has the, this is Balthazar's argument, and this is another mystery. <coughs> objectively, he does have the beatific vision in some form, but subjectively, we cannot appropriate it to him as kind of walking around, kind of blissed out like the top of his soul is right. watching a movie. He's kind of like half paying attention to people right. and half being like, oh. So Balthazar would argue that that understanding of the beatific vision is actually not fair. Really? And so when he suffers, it's going to be um, it's going to be an effect of that. Hmm. If he becomes sin, he would have to experience God forsakenness. Who just walked in? Hey, Father Mike. Hey, How you doing? Stuff. How you doing? You never know who's going to walk into the treehouse. Who knows? Um, we're talking about how my life is in reverse. We're back here in the treehouse. It's snowing, and I'm having another ankle surgery. Everything's in reverse now. And Father Mike's on the podcast. Next thing you know, you'll not be a priest again. What? <laughs> what? Sorry. Sorry, that's irreversible. Uh, we're dealing very poorly with a very complex topic, the descent. Oh, Holy right. Saturday. Do you have any thoughts? No, no, no. I'm just interested in hearing. So basically, Balthazar rejects Thomas's understanding of the beatific vision. That the upper echelon of the soul has that. So that doesn't make sense to bifurcate the faculties of the soul and to attribute some to having this vision and then the rest kind of being human. Right. He's saying we have to understand the beatific vision as being held in a cord that's fully human. Right. There's no commingling, as we know, mm-hmm. no commingling between the divinity and the humanity. So if if Balthazar is right and to become sin, right? If Jesus becomes sin then he would have to experience God-forsakenness because the Jewish understanding of sin is abandonment, is God-forsakenness. Right, and which makes sense is cry from the cross, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? Exactly. And which is Psalm 20. I, feel, I was just talking to my sister about this. Right. I feel like it's explained away so much by right. the fact that it's Psalm 22. He's praying the psalm. It ends triumphantly. Right, you know? and I used to say that all the time. Yeah, but now I'm kind of like, no, I mean, he really suffers forsakenness. He really, he really meant those words when he said them. If he's not really abandoned on the cross... Then this is all. This is not real, right? 
Like he has to fully be abandoned by the father, the experience mm. of abandonment. He can never be abandoned or separated in his divinity, but, the, but for him to be fully human and to appropriate all the sin of the world. And if sin means forsakenness, then he has to fully appropriate that to himself. And if he doesn't experience that, then he's not fully human. Then his kind of his humanity is kind of a false thing. Does that make sense? Right. Here's a great quote. If Jesus has suffered on the cross, the sin of the world to the very last truth of this sin slash God forsakenness, then he must experience in solidarity with the sinners who have gone to the underworld, their ultimately hopeless separation from God. Otherwise he would not have known all the phases and conditions of what it means for man to be unredeemed yet awaiting redemption. Hmm. So he's saying it's a dimension of the effects of sin that are being suffered in Hades and Sheol that has to be appropriated and that has to be experienced by the God-man in order for him to fully account for all of sin and to reconcile the world to what the What he's Father. not assumed, he hasn't redeemed. Exactly. So he has to say, yeah, that, that would actually tie into what I was what I was thinking about from my uh, from my prayer time on Friday. I was I was praying the stations and thinking about the descent, and I'm reading Von Balthazar and God for and all this stuff. But I don't know if you've ever struggled with this. Um, I remember when I was a teenager wondering, like, how is it that my sin, like, hurts Jesus? Like, you always hear these kind of, like, you know, when you sin, you're, like, nailing Christ to the cross. And I'm, like, I want to, like, say, yeah, I can, I get that. But I really, I don't, I don't think I do. Um, and I've struggled with that. Like, how does it, how is it that, I can understand why my sin that, like, hurts other people would hurt Christ. Because Christ, you know, that what you do to the least of my brothers, you do unto me. Right. But, like, if I'm, you know, if I'm in high school and I'm, I'm lazy and I'm not doing my homework at all and I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, watching TV and I'm, I'm, I'm sinning. I'm not, I'm not being faithful to my state in life. How is that hurting Christ? I mean, it's hurting me. I can understand that, but how's it hurting Christ? And um, what kind of went off in my head on Friday was that um, this idea of God forsakenness. You know, if God, if if Christ taking on the effects of sin, um, and that being more than just a physical suffering and death, but an actual experience of the effects of sin, right? And the God forsakenness. That means each time I sin, I'm in some way adding to the load that Christ is carrying. Yeah. Like I'm in some way like the God forsakenness that I feel as a result of my as a result of my sin is, is, uh, is added to Christ experience, you know? So, I mean, I don't know how that works. This is a great mystery, but somehow Christ who is man and finite and who is also God and infinite, the concrete universal somehow experiences, uh, in one point in time that transcends all time, uh, the effects of all sin. And so I'm kind of adding to the pile that he's carrying in his own experience. And however that works, but it just kind of like it just went off my head. I'm like, wow, that's why my sin actually like directly affects Christ. Yeah, because that's exactly what he's what I'm experiencing because of my sin is exactly what he's redeeming exactly. and experience. And, and that's it's, he's redeeming it by assuming it and suffering it. Um, and maybe that. And he, and I was thinking suffering this even in even on Holy Saturday. Yeah, you know? and I think that gives a, a new gravity and a new. Um, to, to sin in itself. Yeah. I mean, does that make any sense? Because that it, just blew my mind when yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. went off. And that's big for Balthazar, that, that sin actually is something, right? I mean, we can speak of it as privation, yes, but like that there there is a load that he carries that is greater. And that's why it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago and it's like, oh, thank God he did that. So it doesn't matter what I do now. It's like, no, what you do now is what he's carrying, right, you know, like right. very directly. Right. And when you when I went off, I was like, oh my gosh, like it just it changes your whole mindset about yeah. how your own life affects Christ directly. Right. Yeah. But you think of the effects of that, the eternal effects of that, of those sins, right? If Jesus reconciles us to the Father, then he has to suffer vicariously 
our damnation, our suffering, our pain. And he can't, he doesn't just do that on the cross and die, but he has to suffer that as well. And that's Balthazar's whole point, is that Holy Saturday is not just this kind of lag time in between the two. And it's right. not some kind of awesome rescue mission where he just bombs in and grabs yeah, everybody. Yeah, start paying your Easter eggs. But and... there's an aspect of sin that has to is required of Holy Saturday. And if you can't if you separate the two, then you don't actually account for sin in the fullness. One of the problems with this that he yes. says, one of the reasons we've got to this point is because we have a, a Hellenistic understanding of death, which is separation of soul and body. Hellenist Greek. Greek, right? Greeks had emphasis that they emphasize this this is what death is. It's the separation of the two. But the Jews, the, the Semitic understanding was much more focused in this abandonment and this God-forsakenness. Mm. That's what it's all about. That's, so that's where he's working. He's working in that framework. He's trying to kind of refill the two. But he's saying that the c- current one we have theologically, liturgically, um, is heavily Hellenistic. Heavily and he's Hellenist. trying to balance it. Interesting. I think it's really interesting. That's and I think really it's cool. really good. And now, granted, I am uh, a Balthazar guy. I love him. I'm addicted. To, it's like It's like... Taking a line of cocaine every time I, not that I know what that's like, but I, that uh, every time I read his book, I get that excited. But um, we have friends who hate him. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We have friends who hate him. And uh, mm-hmm. Father Kevin, he would never listen to this podcast, but um, if he did, he would hate this. Yeah. I mean, the, this is this is why I have, I've, I'm not as involved with Lothazar as John is, but the reason I've started getting into it, because the more I study it and the more I read, the more I'm drawn back to Christ and right. I'm drawn back to just prayer and just... Prayer and theology really should begin and end in wonder, right? And that's the problem with theology is it just sometimes it just becomes so intellectual and assenting to propositions. And um, but my experience of reading Bob Bothler, which is so refreshing, is like it's doing theology and it makes me want to go pray. It makes me right. go to the chapel and be like, just think about this and and just adore exactly who, who Christ is. You know. So and the whole point of this podcast is not to win you to the Balthazarian approach to the descent theology. Although that would be, we would love that. <laughs> but the basic thing is to say, contemplate the mystery of Holy Saturday. Yeah. Don't be satisfied with the lack of um, theological speculation, the lack of kind of uh, liturgical beauty. Don't just sit there and wait for Easter, but engage this reality. Something profound and very, very important mm-hmm. happens, and there's no East, there's no connection between Easter and Good Friday without Holy Saturday. So we have to contemplate and kind of stay in the tension of that mystery, and then we get to watch in the centuries to follow when the church accepts. Uh, <laughs> I'm not yeah. yeah, no, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but I hope this is clear. It was kind of decent. We should have Gronsky listen. This my spirit, our my spiritual director. And uh, our both are No, we should have like your mom listen to it to there see if go. she understands. Because Gronsky might understand what we're talking about. I guarantee my mother doesn't understand it. <laughs> and uh, probably the next time we do a podcast, we'll be, um, I'll be laid up with my ankle above my head. I'm having another ankle surgery. So that'd be great. We'll have another one for you when Joe's back from spring break. But in the meantime, have a great Triduum. Happy Holy Saturday. Contemplate the descent and enjoy the glories of Easter. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Catholic stuff on YouTube. Facebook. Facebook. We don't have any YouTube videos. We'll see you in hopefully a week. Take care.